0: Good day to you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Film Focus, episode 110, the double review for Peninsula and Fat Man. Ladies and gentlemen of the North, South, East, and West, and welcome to another episode of Film Focused. I'm your host, the Hyperson 55, and I'm glad you decided to join me once again for some film-related discussion. And today, we have another film double. I didn't mean for this to keep happening, but it seems that in the recent months, I've ended up seeing certain films within a close proximity of each other, and then it's just like, you know what, let's just bunch them together, just because it's easier... I can condense it all into one episode, and in some cases, I just haven't had that much to say about a singular film to warrant, like, you know, just wasting, I don't know, maybe five to ten minutes on it, maximum. So yeah, today, as it was said at the top of this review, we're going to be doing two films. Peninsula, which is the sequel to Train to Busan, and Fat Man, the recently released Christmas-esque kind of film with... uh, Mel Gibson playing Santa essentially. So both of these films I'm interested in for two different reasons. With Peninsula it was a sequel to Train to Busan so I had to see what was going on and with Fat Man it was just such a unique and strange premise with Mel Gibson being a like you know Santa Claus except in a sort of realistic sense in this weird thriller where he's being hunted by a hitman It sounded so strange on paper, I just had to see what was going on. So I watched both of these films earlier on today and now I want to share my thoughts on them. So we'll be going with Peninsula first and then we'll be talking about Fat Man afterwards. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's jump in. Alright, so first up is Peninsula. Now, as I said before, it's the sequel to Train to Busan that came out in 2016. And for some reason, I felt like Train to Busan had come out a lot earlier than 2016. Four years feels like a lot shorter of a time period, but I guess mainly just because the conversation about this film has been going on for so long in certain circles, I just imagine that the film would come out a little earlier. I guess because I was all caught up in my uh, films like Sing Street and Captain America's Civil War, Kubo and the Two Strings, and a few other films like that, I just never got around to seeing this one. But also because it's a foreign film, In my town, we rarely ever get any of those unless they get to a certain level of notoriety. It's not like when I was living in Sheffield where I could just walk up to any of the like uh, indie or like, you know, big cinemas over there and get to watch it. But it's one of those sort of films that my friends and like a couple members of my family who have seen it were just like, you should watch this film. It's really good. And I'm like, yeah, I'll get around to it. And then I let four years go by. (laughs) So with the new one finally getting a sort of um, digital release over here recently on amazon that's where i found it i was like you know what i might as well just do a film double i'll watch both of these films back to back so i watched train to busan for the first time actually a few days ago and i bloody loved it it was so good i really just appreciated the fact that it had this great sense of suspense intensity the fear factor was certainly there but it was all about the characters this film did a great job of establishing several different characters you got to know who they were, how they operated and see some of them change over the course of the film and while a good number of the people don't make it out you feel for them so when they do die it has significance, it has meaning. I like the music, I like the characters everything about that film was solid so with the sequel I was very curious to see what they were gonna do So what they did was take the film, push it four years into the future, but focus on a different group of individuals in different locations, but also keep within the same continuity in terms of the tone and the way in which uh, characters interact with the zombies and so on and so forth. And I will say up front that while Peninsula isn't a bad film by any means, it just didn't tick me boxes. In the end, the film ended up being... A bit of a disappointment mainly due to my lack of caring for the characters and some of the stuff that it did with the action sequences and the use of uh, CGI but we'll get there in due course so what we'll do as per usual we'll talk about the story characters presentation and then conclusion so without further ado ladies and gentlemen let's jump in so the plot for the film can be summed as the following this film takes place four years after the events of the last film and follows a soldier and his brother-in-law as they are sent along to retrieve a truck full of money from the wastelands of the Korean Peninsula which is now inhabited by zombies rogue militar and a family and that is the way for me to describe this film without going into the era of spoilers so what I appreciated about this story was the fact that it tried to do something different when creating a sequel it's hard to try and replicate the magic that was done in the previous one some films can do it, some films can't. So then you opt for the second option which is to present a different kind of scenario which is still in the vein of the original works but trying to do something different. This film is able to capture the tone and feel of the original film but create something different and I appreciated the film's ambition because you can definitely tell it wanted to go a little bigger and um, feel a little larger in scope and sort of expand this universe and i definitely got that kind of vibe that there could be more done with this either in like a television series or possible sequel but i feel like that's where my praise for the story sort of ends because this film for me just didn't have the same level of engagement that came with the last one and that's down to a handful of factors firstly With the change in setting with this film and characters having to hop all over the place within like this sort of wasteland location and in Hong Kong as well, I feel like that sort of claustrophobic element is lost. On top of that, this story with these new characters, I just didn't find that engaging. While there was certain moments of tension, I just didn't feel the same sense of fear and urgency that came with the last one. And because of the scenarios that some of the people get themselves into, the sense of danger felt pretty absent. It felt like there was a lot of characters that were safe due to plot armor more so than anything else. I felt like the writing just felt a little bit more incompetent than before. And because of the way in which the characters are handled in this film, I don't know what happened in the writing process, but... I just didn't care about these characters, not in the same way that I did with the last film. The cast come along and they do their jobs competently but the thing is, none of them I care about nearly as much as the characters from the last film. They don't feel as well defined and when some of the people ended up getting picked off, it was just, yeah, you know? And it's interesting, this film has a smaller cast so you'd assume that you'd be able to, you know, latch on to some of these people a little bit more but... You know, the main soldier man and his brother, I didn't care about them. The family in the Wastelands didn't care about them, not that much anyway. And the new villain dude who was in this film didn't care about him either. Whereas with everybody else in Train to Busan, I care about the dad and his daughter, the old homeless man the sort of varsity kids with the main dude and the main like cheerleader girl and you had like you know that annoying businessman who wouldn't die he was a prick but yeah you know I remember all of those characters but in this film everybody just felt so inconsequential so when these people were in dangerous situations running away from the bad guys or shooting down zombies and stuff like that I was curious to see what happened to them but I just didn't care and that's the thing my emotional engagement for this film just wasn't there and one of the other things that really stood out to me was the presentation now I appreciate the fact that with this new location within the Korean Peninsula you got to see this sort of wasteland area it gave me sort of I am legends kinda of vibes in terms of the vastness of it how decayed it looked and obviously when you had hordes of zombie running about like Ah man, I'm getting vibes back to two thousand seven, and I appreciate a good sky. Those certain scenes where you get to see the sky in, you know, sunrise or sunset, I really appreciate that. And because of the darkness of the nighttime areas, there was some good stuff done with the lighting and colors. But one thing that became apparent to me after watching this while watching this film was the fact that the CGI was everywhere the hordes of zombies felt like they were cgi like literally all the time and because of certain car chase sequences it required a lot of cgi because some of these characters are getting into scenarios where you're just like what are you doing mate this is no longer your standard sort of zombie film anymore it's getting into world war z slash fast and furious territories where characters are driving over ramps uh through you know debris and flipping and twisting all over the place and some of these people should be dead and yet the plot armour protects them and I'm watching this film like this is ridiculous this is like sort of live action wacky races getting into that kind of territory you know what I mean It's it's. it was uh, this is where I realised for sure that this film was going from the Terminator to Terminator 2 territory where it's like you know alien to aliens territory where it's like they've sort of ditched the horror for more action-centric material and i have no problem with that when it's done well but here it felt like overkill everything felt so over the top and there was a certain level of realism that was lost in translation between film number one to film number two so in the end peninsula it's still a good film and I would recommend it, but I would say don't go in looking for the next train to Busan because this, my friend, is not it. It has some good performances, some decent, like, you know, framing of certain shots. It looks nice on occasions and I like some of the story elements, but overall, the heavy focus on action, special effects, and an unengaging bunch of characters just left me feeling extremely disappointed alright so next up is Fat Man now I was only made aware of this film I think maybe a few weeks to a month ago all I knew was that Mel Gibson was in a film where he played Santa but it was a little bit more serious like some sort of action thriller or something I was like okay I'm in that's all I need to know and before we continue in this review I will address one thing I'll put out this one disclaimer Mel Gibson as a person I don't like him. And yeah, I just choose not to, you know, associate myself with anything that he's doing. However, as an actor, I do quite like him. I can't say I've seen too many of his films, like, you know, I'm not like a crazy Mel Gibson fan, but the stuff I have seen of his is pretty good. And this is the first new Mel Gibson film I've seen since he was in Expendables 3. And I know a lot of people poo poo on that film, but he was actually the best part of that film as the crazy villain guy, he was very engaging, so I'm gonna do that thing where I separate the artist from the art and talk about this film, because surprisingly enough I actually found it pretty enjoyable I wouldn't say Fat Man is a great film by any means, but it has enough unique, quirky and fun ideas in there that make it worth watching and even worth watching more than once so as per usual with these things we'll talk about the story, characters and then presentation so without further ado ladies and gentlemen we're going to jump in alright so the plot of this film can be summed up as the following a rowdy unorthodox Santa Claus is fighting to save his declining business meanwhile Billy, a neglected and precocious 12 year old hires a hitman to kill Santa after receiving a lump of coal in his stocking and that's pretty much the way for me to describe this film without going into the of spoilers I thought this film was so strange especially from the beginning and just seeing how everything unfolded I just got more into it as it happened this film is weird cynical yet relatable funny and at times emotional there are certain moments of uh, heartwarming material but then you've got all these other sort of more serious and crazy elements that happen to revolve around the hitman and this boy Billy who is just one of the most horrible little children I've come across in film for a while. The main thing that I took away from this film that struck me was the attention to realism. With a lot of depictions of Santa Claus, he's always surrounded in the fictional elements that we know him for you know, he's big, he's fat, he lives in the North Pole with these super fantastical uh, elements like his uh, reindeer and the sleigh, the little elves and you know, he lives in a fancy man building which is either made of like ice or some sort of other crazy thing, he flies all over the world, he can teleport all over the place delivering presents, you know, he can somehow fit down a chimney and like, you know, eats cookies and milk and all this other sort of stupid crap, but the more fantastical elements are put into a realistic setting where Santa Claus mainly drives around in a red pickup truck. Most people know him. He has a workforce of people who help him, like, you know, materialize the presence and, like, you know, get around the world. And I just like that attention to detail. This is the first time where it felt like Santa Claus wasn't just like a fictional being that existed in the realm of magic, but just a. Uh, old guy who's just been around for a while and that he knows a lot about people in that sort of way where you're just like oh yes Santa he does know everything about people you know from childhood to adulthood so it was some interesting ways that they were able to incorporate the more you know fantastical elements into the story without it being overtly you know your standard Christmas fair. I enjoyed also the thriller-esque elements to this And, you know, there were certain moments where I'm just like, oh crap, man, like, this is is definitely not like, you know, your standard jolly material, but that's something that I quite like. I've got no beef against conventional Christmas movies, some of that stuff I really love. But then at the same time, I'm just like, you know what? I kind of like Christmas films that do get a little dark, a little creepy, and sometimes a little violent. So this film sort of gave me a lot of what I wanted all in one go, and while the story overall it takes a slightly different turn as it you know progresses, I still found it fairly engaging and fun to watch. And by the end of it, I was thinking, you know what, I probably could watch this again as like maybe one of my seasonal films. So when it comes to the cast, they were all pretty good. Firstly, there's Marianne Jean Baptiste. I mainly know her from Blindspot and I didn't actually know she was English until now which is just really crazy to me I'd seen her in a couple films prior to this but I mainly remembered her from uh, Spot. so when I heard her speaking in a normal English accent I was just like what is this oh that's so random but I really liked her she was nice she was supportive she had a nice warmth to her and she had like some good green time with um, Mel Gibson's character And Walton Goggins, oh my god. This guy, every time I see him in a villain role, I'm just like, Your face was designed to be like that sort of douchebag villain. He is swift, he is calm, yet aggressive, he has moments where he explodes, and he's just that typical, like, you know, guy that you just want to punch in the face. But I don't mean that because I say like you know Walton Goggins has like that kind of face just as an actor in his roles he always seems to play that kind of person you're just like man I'm just gonna knock you out mate but no Walton Goggins was great I really enjoyed him in this film he played his role very well and chance Hertzford as Billy you know the main kid Ah, oh, I hated him I've never seen someone so smart young and yet so cunning and petty. This kid man, when you see like some of the stuff he gets up to and the way in which he conducts himself not only at home but at school as well, oh man the kid needs a slap but <laughs> I thought Chance did a good job in his role. And then of course there's Mel Gibson as Chris aka Santa Claus. Again, there's a very different version of him than we've seen in other films. This guy is is old, he's a little bit more like, you know you can tell he's seen and done things in the world and he's existed for a while he seems to be in a mood all the time and while he is happy whenever he's around his wife, he normally seems to be like, you know, just very straight he doesn't seem to be like, you know, very ho-ho-ho-y, you know, that kind of thing but I feel like Gibson did well in his role, man he still has that charisma, that charm even though he doesn't really use it in that same sort of way that he'd flare it up in a lot of his previous movies. He still has that sort of cool factor, but he can also be very intense and badass when he needs to be. And, yeah, man. Gibson's still got it, man. He's still fun to watch. It's just a shame that, like, you know, is it, he is who he is when he's outside of his movies. I like the way in which some of the shots were framed, especially in the exterior locations where, like, you know, Santa lives. The only other thing to mention about the film was the uh, film score that was done by the Mondo Boys. When I saw that name in the credits, I'm like, how am I getting around to watching another film that has like some cool last name for like, you know, the uh, film composers? But yeah, I felt like the Mondo Boys did a pretty good job with the uh, film score for this, with it feeling, you know, pretty standard with your like, you know, modern film scores, but it incorporated certain aspects that felt pretty good when like you know there was more action heavy stuff going on it had certain moments where it heightened the emotional stuff going on and it incorporated some usage of like you know classic Christmas songs into the film score which was pretty good as well so overall I would say Fat Man it's a good time I know some people probably will just like not even bother giving this a chance just because you know you're not down with Mel Gibson and that's fine I'm not going to force anybody to go about and watch a film with someone that they don't like. However, if you can look past that, there's an unconventional yet fun kind of Christmas film that could become part of the rotation. And so that will bring us to the end of another episode. If you've seen either or both of these films I would love to hear about it in the comment section below or holler at me online where I'm at Hypersonda 55 or at FilmFocus55 check out the blog hypersonic55.wordpress.com check out the facebook page and yeah remember we're on soundcloud itunes and amazon music and spotify so normally if we exist anywhere on the internet you'll be able to find film focus anyway thank you for listening as always ladies and gentlemen your your listenership is always appreciated and hopefully i should have my next couple episodes done before the end of the year when we end up having to do our top 10 films of 2020 because my list is extremely low at the moment but i'm trying to correct that as time goes on so hopefully i'll have a decent list anyway gonna cut off for now thanks for listening as always and until the next time this is the hyper Sunday 55 signing out peace